All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today for another episode of Cultured and Country Unscripted. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Jackson. So I, I met her, I don't know, sometime late 2019. We met on a campaign and I used to pick her brain every day about therapists and how I felt like my brain may be turning to mush. And she was trying to help me get on the right track. So today, none other than Dr. Jackson. How are you? I'm excited. Man, I'm excited to have you. So I always like to preface it this way. So where where do you hail from? I hail from Greenville, South Carolina. However, I consider my hometown to be Fountain Inn, South Carolina. Fountain Inn. Okay. Right up there, what was that, 385? Yes, country girl at heart. So, all right. So, you from the country. You from you from the thick of it. And then you moved yes. to the city. How'd you get there? Just life. I mean, my parents moved us. I stayed in the same school district. We just moved closer into the city. I mean... I don't consider it a city, but, you know, country people consider it a city. Oh, so. no. Trust me. <laughs> I, I just had, like, an epiphany about where I lived at by talking to one of my cousins, like, the other day. And it was, like, it, it kind of, like, blew my mind. Like, I, you know, I moved away, went to college, did all that stuff, moved back to my hometown. And he was like, you know, like, when you talk to people about moving to the country, you know they look at you like you're crazy because you technically already live in the country. <laughs> I was like, what? This the country? Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, yeah, you're right. I am about 30 minutes from Augusta, a 30 minutes from Aiken. Yeah, I'm in the country. So I'm talking about moving down a dirt road and just buy some land and build a big house. That That's the country I'm talking about. So I mean, you know, that's my goal. It, I'm telling you, that's the best way of life, right? To, to me, yeah, it like is. I, I want to get land. I want to farm. I want to eat off my land. Ooh. I want to do all so you want you want to go in you want the you want the you want the whole little house on the prairie experience. Yeah, except I'm gonna have Wi Fi and <laughs> <laughs> little house on the prairie with Wi Fi. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I want to let the, I want to I want to keep this going, but I want to let the people know because I did introduce you as doctor. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Like what? Let's talk about what you practice as a doctor. Oh, okay. Um, We went there. Yeah. (laughs) So my main focus is um, trauma therapy. I primarily, I mean, I work with all people. Um, It started off seriously doing um, like sex trafficking work in D.C. Oh, wow. And when I moved back from South Carolina to D.C., well, yeah, when I moved back from South Carolina from D.C., mental health in South Carolina was kind of non-existent. Like, these were the tough conversations that we were not having. Yes. So, I mean, I, I worked for different agencies, state agencies, and I was like, y'all just not getting it. So I opened up my own practice because, I mean, to get to your God-given purpose or the purpose that the universe has for you, I feel like you got to work through your trauma in order to see clearly. So, yeah, I mean, it started off with kids and then I grew from kids to adults. Now I'm seeing whole families 
And I love it. Like, it's something that I wake up and love to do every day. Wow, that's... Hold on. You you said a lot, like, right there. Oh, man. Huh. I gotta take, like, a, a few deep breaths. Where my water at? So you started this journey in D.C. focusing on sex trafficking. I mean, that is... Yeah. That is a huge, like, crisis across not just the country, but across the, the world from from the research I've done and, you know, all the many rabbit holes you could go down. I'm not even going to comment on Wayfair at the moment, but, yeah. I know, I know. I, yeah, we'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back. Please don't let me forget. We'll circle back because I've had some questions about their prices. didn't, I mean, I tell people all the time, this profession, like, chose me. I initially went to the College of Charleston thinking I was going to be a doctor. And then biology 111 was way too real for your girl. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a teacher. Mm. And then I was like, eh. Took some classes. I was like, uh-uh, this is not it. And so I took a psychology course. And I didn't like my psychology professor, but I liked what I learned. Ah. But then I... I had to take an elective of a sociology course and, you know, that talks about like groups of people and how we as people interact with the world. And I fell in love with sociology. So my undergrad degree is in sociology. Okay. Um, And when I graduated from college, my parents were like, um, yeah, so what you going to do? <laughs> like, yeah, what you going to do with all this money you spent? Yeah. And I was one of these people. So I'm a first generational college graduate. Okay. And my thing was, I wanted to use my degree. I didn't want to go back home. And I'm not knocking anybody who did this, but I was like, I don't want to come back home. I'm not trying to work at no Walmart. Like, I'm not trying to, like, I want to use my degree. Yeah. And so I just. You had a new tool. You 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 need to use it. Yeah, exactly. So I just put out resumes and I finally got a hit in D.C. working for a uh, mental health community agency. And I loved it. Like, I loved being with the people like, I like the hands-on, getting to know real people, especially when they're vulnerable, when they're in their, what I like to call their state of transition. Because my whole goal as a therapist is to help work through the problem so that, you know, you can be your best self. Nah, I, I, I think the work that you do and folks like yourself, it is definitely... To me, it is, it is an act of just humanitarian. Humanitarian. God, Lord, I'm butchering all my words this Sunday. But um, <laughs> anyway, it's like it's just a, it's an act of, of crisis, right? Because we all yeah. have suffered some form of trauma, whether you even recognize it or not. And I know from conversations we've had, you know, and I, I tell you, you know, a couple situations with with me and friends and even mm-hmm. relationships. It's like everybody's going through something or have went through something and they just need to pull those pieces back together. I, I like to look at it sometimes. Like, you remember back in the day when we had PCs and you had to defrag, defrag mm-hmm. your PC? Like, just, hey, yeah. man, this, this hard drive in, in rough shape now. It won't open then. We got to defrag and pull it back together. But, yeah, but yeah I, think it's, I think it's great that you were able to, one, go, where'd you go to school? So I went to the College of Charleston. Okay. Um, and then after College of Charleston, I went to DC, and then I got my master's and my doctorate from Argosy University. Ah, okay. Shout out to all of them. 
Yes. I and, I, and I and I never wanted to, like I was the one to, in undergrad, I was like, I'm going to get this one degree and then I'm just going to figure out life and you gonna make life it happen. should be otherwise. Like, nah, sis, we need you in other ways. Yeah, you got to be a blessing, man, especially in our community. So with with the work that you've done and how you alluded to, like, it may have started with, you know, children, then thus far parents, and then, oh, man, have you done some some couples therapy? I have. Ooh. And... <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. out here trying couples to figure out that, that part of my life, so I'm like, I, I don't know. Would you recommend a person, or two, well, obviously two people, if they were dating, should they go to therapy, or is that a bad idea? You mean, should they go to therapy together or separately? <laughs> I think there's a balance. I definitely think they should do their individual work. Okay. And then come together. Because the reality of it is, is that most of, the, most of the time, I mean, if you ain't did your work and your partner haven't did your work, then you are coming into a relationship. Fragmented. With pieces. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I always wondered this, right? You know, out here dating people, sometimes you recognize like, hey, Hmm. I'll go with you. Or if you think I should go, like we should go. Like, cause I don't wanna spend spend no real money on a ring and then get to the, you know, mm-hmm. get to that final call and you start recognizing like this ain't it. Yeah. And I always tell people, I'm like, who's your support system? Like who encourage you? Like they are free. Like if you, if the client is willing, I'm like, they can come to therapy with you. Yep. That see, okay. That's what I'm talking about. We jump right in. I didn't want us to land on relationships. I we we gonna push past that. We gonna we gonna come back to that because I don't want nobody listening. Be like, dang, Taryn, what's going on? T, you okay? <laughs> Some days are better than others, but uh, <laughs> but no. But but you gotta acknowledge it and work through it. Yeah, no, nah, because I I mean you know me like I'm pretty much uh I'm pretty much a happy upbeat person. So sometimes I, I meet others and. I just, you know, I just read that energy and I be like, mm, date number one and done. That's it. That's it. We're just going to keep it moving. But you know what, though? I tell people all the time, you know it's right. You you know what you feel. You know what your, what your inner gut is telling you. Woo. I, but we live in the good old, like, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. No, I, I don't, don't live there. Look. I'm an only child. Good, don't. I'm an only child. So my emotions... My best friend is me. So, um, you know, that's that may sound real arrogant to some people, but I'm like, hey, it took a lot to get where we are in life. And sometimes you know that, hey, some of these people, it's nothing wrong with them. They're great people, just great for somebody else. Absolutely. So, hey, all right. Where, where would you like to take this conversation? Because we had a convo the other day, and I kind of prefaced it as... <sighs> With all that's going on in the world from, I mean, COVID, corona, however you want to categorize it, that being one level of of stress, fear, panic, Um, the economy, some folks aren't working, some folks are working less, Um, the looming housing market, I mean, yeah, this, this, this is your call. Doc, I'm listening to you. Yeah, I mean, 
Shoot, where where yeah. do we need and, to and start? And hold on, before I, yeah, I don't want to leave this out, and especially as two black professionals on this podcast, like just the state of Black America, right? Like, yeah, we're seeing it. Like, it's everywhere. So, yeah, yeah I didn't want to leave that out because somebody right in the comments like, oh, so you ain't gonna talk about? It? Okay, we put it in. There. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess let's start with being black in America. Let's go. What What are I you mean, seeing? From the clinical side, I'm seeing a lot of anxiety. I'm seeing a lot of people unsure of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, too, when we've been black in America and we have children and, and the whole state of the school system. Because we know Ooh. that our kids will not have the whole well they missed the year because of covid and can you work with them like we know our kids will not have that right Man, and as I didn't a black think about that of, uh, of two black boys like i'm on it like my husband was on me the other day he was like why do you have my oldest one is six he'll be in first grade this coming school year and my husband was like why do you have him in tutoring and i'm like because like he doesn't He's not going to get the slight of, oh, we have a gap year due of COVID and he wasn't in school. Like, nah, he's going to have to go into a room and be stellar. Like, you know. You keep him sharp. Yeah. And and he's going to be held to a higher standard. And it's not because of his name. It's not because where he comes from. It's not because his mom, who his mom and daddy is. It's because of the color of his skin. Mm. So, wow. And so I've got to make sure that he can come to par. No, that that makes total, total sense. And, you know, like, I don't have any kids. Yeah. And I my heart always go out to parents. I mean, as a constant, because I just look at, like, man, like, you're raising somebody in this world. Like, like you are 100% their everything. And so... I applaud you for the effort. Like, hey, you. you you gotta you know do the work. It was something that something that I learned probably like in high school, and one of my teachers said this to me, not like during a class, but you know I've been grown way since I was a little boy, so I'm I'm having adult conversations with adults way <laughs> young, you know. And and one of the things that they always taught was school is just a place you come and get grades. Like, your education should be balanced with the world, your parents, your environment, your peer group, everything. And I think sometimes some of the parents I talk to, especially black parents, they be like, oh, you better get them grades up. Or, hey, my child is on the honor roll. I be like, okay, but do they know stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, right. okay, like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cute. That's something nice to hang on the refrigerator. That's cool. But do they know stuff? Because you'll meet them other kids. And I, I don't know, not toot my own horn. I think I may have been one of them kids. Like, oh, no, straight A on the road, not for Terrence. But you sit down and have a conversation with him, you'll be like, huh, all right, that boy up to something, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. And I, and I try to create that balance for my son. I mean, to be completely honest, to be very transparent, um, we had a conversation about, you know, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, of course, and I'm going to keep saying this, we as black people, we need to stop traumatizing ourselves with videos that messes up our Ooh. psyche. Yes. Like, don't do that to yourself. It's, 
man. I'm, the floor and is And I yours. know we want to see. I know we want to see because it comes out of a a place of frustration and anger. And some of us, it, it initiates like an act to like lead to to start a movement. And I get it. But the trauma yes. of watching. The long-term effect. Yes, of somebody's life being stolen, because that's what it was, from them, is deep-rooted in our trauma that dates back to our ancestors. Is that, man, I'm so glad you said that. I've wondered that, and i felt that for years. Like, people, you know, you everybody got social media, and I'll tell people, I'm like, I'm probably 97% checked off of Facebook. I'm on Instagram. That's pretty much it. And people send you a million things. Mm-hmm. And I just had to start telling my friends, like, hey, I don't want to see that. Like, I'm not saying I don't understand. I don't have compassion for it. But I can't see that. I can't digest that on a day in, day out basis. Like, I, I've tuned out so many things. And and I felt what you were saying. Like, no, I've never heard nobody articulate it or say it that way. But I just felt like, man, no, nah, this is this is planting seeds that I just don't want to bear the fruit of. Yeah. And it's not to say, you know, like, I mean, it, it, I can't even think of the words just to say, like, it's not that I don't care. That is not it. I'm not turning a blind eye. I'm not being like, you know, I don't know, nonchalant about it. It's just like, I can't watch it. Yeah. And think about like our ancestors on the plantation when the masters used to beat them in front of everybody. It was the instant. It was a spectacle. I don't want my child to be fearful in America. Like I want him to know that he holds place here. Yeah. And although people do not like you because of the color of your skin, you still deserve everything that they have and more. Hey, I love it. Oh boy. So we had a conversation about George Floyd and you know how George Floyd Floyd um life was taken from him. And it and it wasn't the whole black white dynamic because again, you know, not and he asked me straight up, he was like, So all white people bad? I said, No, not all of them. But there will be some who do dislike you because of the color of your skin. But for him, I want him to have the tools to be able to express himself through words. Because again, when our children get aggressive or, you know, get in their feelings, it becomes very heightened and they become a threat. Mm. So I want him to be able to articulate how he feels with words. Man. And but, so you do that through honest conversation. No, I, I, I thousand percent agree. Cause I think in large part, not everywhere, but in large part, we lack a level of transparency with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think it in a video like that, yes, 100% transparent. You see it with your eyes, you hear it with your ears, yes. But there are conversations before that, and there are conversations after that where we're not telling the full truth or we're not even bringing ourselves to, to the mercy of ourselves to just be like, hey, these are some things that happen in our community. Let's talk about it. Let's stop acting like it doesn't happen until something bad happens. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, yeah. But 
Well, and I feel like, too, these are hard conversations to have. And we live in a society, and I don't even think it's something that a lot of people do, like, on a conscious level. I think it's just something subconsciously, because we don't want to address that this is an issue. Mm -hmm. So we avoid it. But then we avoid it. Yeah, like, when we avoid it, then things start popping up, and then it's kind of like we operate in a sense of... Like, we got to be very reactive or yeah. something happened. So we've got to put stuff together or because this is this happened and it's mainstream now. Like now we've got to start like a movement where like now, nah, like you can have conversations with your five and six year olds now. True. Because this is something I, I say and I think I tick off some parents sometimes. I was like, why do and maybe help me help me through this? Because this is something I say, like, why do I know a lot of people that have children? And they're trying to per- make them perfect kids. I said, no, why not make them perfect humans? Because they're going to be grown way longer than they're going to be kids. Yep. Absolutely. Like, let's work on the whole, that that whole little girl or that whole little boy before we just like, oh, they're a perfect child. Yeah, they're a perfect child. Then they turned 13 and they lost. And you then know? they lost. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and heard- then to that, though, the conversation needs to start with us because a lot of us expect our school system, which we know. Exactly. Your education comes outside of there. To teach our kids. And it's not like that. That's why like this past Juneteenth, I was so excited. So I learned about Juneteenth when I was at the college of Charleston. Mm, okay. So like, I mean, I was in college. Um, You're pretty much an but adult. But I know that basically. there were a lot of, yeah, when I was an adoption, I forgot how old I was, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people were celebrating, and I was so excited, but I'm like, this is the stuff we need to be telling our kids, because this is not coming from the school. No. Like, our school is not going to tell us this. Like, our school is still telling kids that Columbus was so great, and he found America, but we all know the truth. So we... And that's why I go back to the whole like healing. Like we need to heal ourselves mm. in order to be the best we can, not only for our kids, but for our communities, for our yeah. neighbors. For each other. Yes. Because oh man. To to piggyback on the Juneteenth statement is similar, very similar. I learned about Juneteenth. I was I was at least 2021. 20, before I knew anything, and I went to a parade in like St. Joe, Missouri, for Juneteenth parade. I had never seen Juneteenth, let alone knew that it was like a thing, thing. And so mm-hmm. I felt bad. And like I had this conversation with my mom like a week ago, and she was like, "You know, I never knew about Juneteenth." To a, a local woman here in our town, Miss Annette, she put together this whole thing. Been her and her team been working on it for. Well over a year. I hate that, you know, all that's happened in the world that they couldn't have the true celebration that they wanted to have. But they did it viral and things like that. But people still tune in. And I was just like, think about how many people in this community. My mom's almost almost 60 years old. And she's like, I heard about it briefly, but I never knew about it. So think about that. 60 years old, living in the South her whole life. No idea. Wow. Yeah. So, and she wasn't alone in that either, though. No, exactly. Like, it's a lot. 
It's a, but it's a, it's a lot of history, like you said, going back to being honest and transparent with ourselves. It's a lot of history that we don't even know about ourselves. Like to even get to some of these places of healing. But also like um when you were saying like, hey, who is your like support group? Like who who motivates you, right? And I feel like people need to look at that. And sometimes you could look back to history to find some motivation, if not motivation, at least some truth. So you're starting from a you're at least starting from zero, right? Like right. I, I look at life like a number line. It's like you're negative 100, zero to 100. Where are you? And most of us, we're operating in the negative, whether we know it or not. Yeah. So, uh, And a lot of us, too, are just operating off survival mode in which yeah. we neglect self. We don't, you know, we don't keep ourselves balanced because we, you know, we got to go. Like, we got to make money. Like, I seen this argument the other day on Facebook about, I don't know where this lady worked, but obviously she was a essential worker because she had to go to work. And it was kind of like, she was actually arguing with a man and he was like, well, you should be at home taking care of your kids. Mm. And I'm like, that whole mindset of like, a lot of us cannot stop working to take care of our kids. Like, if you want me to take care of my kids, I got to go to work. Like, it can't be no, I can be a stay home mom. Like, no, we got to go. Like, I got to feed them. It's not 50 years ago. Right. And I, man, that is, yeah, that, that's a big But then statement. I was reading, I, you know, I was just, just reading because I'm a lurker on Facebook. So, like, I don't always comment, but I um just read people's oh, yeah, you comments. Knows it. You, you from the country. I, you yeah, know it. I mean, you know, I own it. <laughs> but, you know, like, I was just reading the dialogue between these two. I'm like, but as a mother who's got to work and you telling me I should stay at home with my kid. Do you know how much, do you know how? how that messes up somebody's like mental state mm-hmm. to look at like, it as if know, like they can't is out here but like i gotta provide for my kids which then okay we can go to the criminal system because you know that's how that is set up too but a lot of people are sitting in jail because they were trying to feed their kids man we're trying to provide for their family that is the opening line of the record of biggest mall's juicy record for the lady that called the police on me when I was just out here hustling, trying to feed my daughter. Yep. Think about that. That is, that's what, 1995, 1994? That rang true to, to my adolescent years. And even as an adult, some of the people we know. So, no, nah, I get that. But also looking wider at, like, some of the people that... And I know, you know, we're not talking about, like, your your clients and nothing like that. But, like, where has depression fell into this, quote-unquote, new normal? Because I see more and more advertisement for some form yeah. of medicine with depression. And, and I got friends, family members, friends of friends. And I, I'm the person everybody call. And I'm hearing it more. Uh-huh. What a, what is it? Let's, let's. I guess like outside of just talking about some of the issues, like I don't, I don't know if we got to pay for this. We, I, I'll pay you. Um, culture <laughs> and country, we got a couple dollars. We we put some, <laughs> like like the church. Do we put some in the tank? We can put some on your gas. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like what can, 
what can our, our brothers and sisters, friends and allies be doing to cope with it? So what we are experiencing now, and people do not like when I say this, but this is the truth. What we are experiencing now is a collective trauma. Mm. I can guarantee you in the next two years, anxiety will be through the roof. Mm-hmm. Depression will be through the roof. We will have a lot more 20 to 25-year-olds on psychotropic medication in order to, to manage anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. Because right now, our whole way of being has shifted. Mm. Um, when we went to quarantine, a lot of people were isolated, meaning you were not getting that, not necessarily like the physical touch, but people to people interaction that we thrive off of. Oh yeah. Which is why solitary confinement is bad. But so like we were not getting that. And so now people are forced to be away from one another um operate on a on a solo basis mm. and then in some kind of way still be productive and present for others so you're so we are now wearing a lot of many different hats but we are not being able to connect to get that um what I like to call the feels like you know when you hang out with your boys or when I hang out with my girlfriends like it's this feeling that we get because we are together and we can, you know, gossip or just talk about what's going on. But we're not, we can't do that anymore. So, and it's a struggle, which is why right now, and I'm telling everybody, I don't care if you got to go close yourself in a closet for 30 minutes, you've got to be very, very intentional now more than ever to take care of self. Meaning you got to set aside some time where you can sit by yourself to gather your thoughts and your feelings to process through the day, to process through, you know, specific events. But you've got to fight for that because you matter. We can no longer live in this constant mode of go. Oh, man. Well, we've now got to sit down and self-reflect because our norm again our norm has shifted and because our norm has shifted it has not only messed with our physical being but it has messed with our psyche and i feel like that was a lot no no doc i'm 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 with you i i am because and i don't want it to be heavy but it's 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 our reality no the if it's the truth, I, I feel like too many, too many times we put different stamps on the truth. We were like, oh, it's heavy, or maybe you're not ready for this yet. No, no, no. Let's let's get ready because yeah, who was ready for that. who was ready for quarantine? Who was ready for this? So let's talk about it. And who better to talk about it than someone like yourself who you see it and you are like, you're helping people through it. Like, so one, hats off to you for, for being in the space that you're in. To, to help people like you're you're saving lives out here i'm trying man but no when you said that that was oh man that yeah that really made me think because so many people 
you know how you you'll get the quote unquote uh folks that self-identify as introverts, right? And I'm like, yeah, you're an introvert. Cause you you can choose that. But if you had to be isolated by yourself, all that, you probably would get tired of tired of that real quick. And you'll question, are you really an introvert? And <laughs> all my quote unquote introvert friends, when all this happened, they were like, one of my homegirls, she was like, I hate you. You're too smart. Cause I love to be by myself. But when I got to be by myself, oh, it's the worst. I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, we need to get out. You need to yeah. see somebody. It's almost, I tell people, man, sometimes people knock on my door. I feel like a little dog, like running to the door. If I had a tail, I'd wag it. I'm like, who out here? You got your mask on. Who is it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, and that's what we had. And then you add, like you saying, like you're compounding all these other things. Like we're going through group trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's getting everybody. I don't care if you're young, old, black, white, male, yeah. female, whatever. It's getting everybody. Everybody has somebody they know if you're not that person yourself who is like, yo, this is really tough. It may not be tough long term, like every day, but when those days happen, they happen. And and it's hard. Yeah, and I tell people like from the role that I have, like in my community, as, as a community leader, like already, I feel like I, I take on so much to just be, be solid for so many others. But when all this stuff starts happening, your quote unquote strong friends, mm-hmm. they already heavy. So you start adding on something like, look, no matter how much authority or power I have, I can't make it go away. I can't make it stop. Right. And going back to the reference of the strong friends, like now you've got to be very intentional and even like boundaries of like, okay, y'all, I need my space. Like I just need some time. Like myself. Exactly. And you can't, I know for myself, I can't speak for everybody, but hopefully somebody out there listening can relate. It's like, for me, being the quote unquote strong friend, I used to could check out. Like I could be like, all right, I tell my office, tell my fam, like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna go to Charleston for the weekend or a day. Make a little day trip, you know, my my polo obsession. I go to the outlet. It's fun to take the drive, listen to a book, or talk to somebody. You could have like a full on long combo. And then you get there and you you get in that release of buying something. And that whole, you know, that whole thing. And it's like, it's, you know, it's my own self-work. But now you're like, so I'm stuck in the house. And if I do go out, I got to wear a mask. I got to be scared to touch stuff. It's Which like, that creates anxiety. That's yeah. real. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm out here trying to eat right. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me go get me some Brussels sprouts. Da, 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 da. But then I'm sitting there looking at I'm like, I wonder did people touch this. Who touched this? You know what I'm saying? Now I'm scared of the Brussels sprouts. You know what I'm saying? And so it just it just creates all these things. But oh man, you yeah, you're right. You you said a lot because as I talk about it, I'm like it just keeps going deeper and deeper. So what is? I guess I don't know. What can people do? I know the I, I went to a few Zoom happy hours. They've been fun, but yeah, I mean, do those. Um, self-care, I always take at least one hour out of my day where I'm just like by myself. Mm. 
So maybe I do like 30 minutes in the morning where I do meditation and then 30 minutes, you know, in the night, like in the evening. My children know that when mommy closes the bedroom door and the bathroom door, you got to leave her alone. <laughs> like, so we have rules in our house. Boundaries. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely boundaries. Um, also, to unplugging from social media. Social media is rough. And you got to remember with social media, people only share with you what they want you to see. Man, <sighs> social media is. I was like, y'all be swimming and then swimsuits and stuff. And then. <laughs> And then you realize that the, that was a picture from like their last year vacation. But again, social media can be heavy. It can be very yeah. toxic because we all like it and we have access to people 24-7. Like we have access to people that we have never even seen before. But we have that access because of social media. Yeah, I'm so like... So I'm from that. Oh, man, you, you hit it right on the head. Like I, I said this earlier today. I was like, man, people know too much about too many people. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know nothing else about Will Smith and Jada. I I won't know nothing, nothing. And that's a whole other issue. But yeah, like it's it's heavy and it can be very toxic. And people are led to assume things, mm-hmm. but they believe that their assumptions is like truth. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It, it makes me think about this. Uh, this Erica Badu interview from years ago i think she was on the breakfast club and somebody talked about i don't know i think dj envy or somebody may have brought up like hey man all these kids now they're just they're just out here popping pills and doing all this and she said she was like think about it. look at the world mm-hmm. the world is in a place right now she said this this is two years three years ago she's like look at where the world is and then it makes me think about social media it's like it's two extremes. You're getting a person's what they feel was their best day of their life, and they want to perfect this selfie twenty times before they post it. And then you're getting the comment side of somebody who's having what they feel is their worst day of their life. Like there's no happy medium anymore. And whether it's politics, whether it's sports, everything has found a way to become tribal. Yeah. And 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 social media, we praise perfection. We don't praise the failures. Because as a business owner, like people are like, you're just so successful. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't see like mm-hmm. the long nights, the failures, the trying to figure it out. Like we don't see that side. We only see what I like to call the shiny product. But the reality of it is, I don't care if you if you want to be on your own strip club, if you want to open up your own medical clinic, like if you want to open up your own dispensary, whatever you want to do, like it's a process. And in the process, failure is a product, is a part of the process. Exactly. But you don't need that. No, no one wants to show it. But I think people forget that sometimes that's the most beautiful part is to see, what is it? To see the phoenix actually rise from the ashes. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can have that. You can have that. That's that's our conversation. Right, there you go. <laughs> we'll give you a good quote or two. Out. There you go. But but you know what what's funny? I I got a one of my uncles, um, older guy. He come on, this dude don't even have a smartphone, let alone social media. He get mad if I take his picture. Well, you better not have me out there on no Facebook. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but he taught me something very valuable. 
and I just applied to so many just parts of my life. It's like this man works in painting body, right? Like he picks cars for a living. You see him, you know he picks cars for a living. Either he paint house or he picks cars. You can just tell how he look. And I learned early how to look at something that was, you know, bad, right? A wreck mm-hmm. or something like that. But also in learning, I learned to appreciate the process to putting it back together. And and I think about, I know it's so simple, right? You look at a wreck car and you see it, boom, nice, shiny, and new again. And most people don't think about it. You'd be like, but no, when you see that process of somebody got to take all these parts off, order new parts, they don't match. They got to bondo this, sand that, prime this, do that, do that, do that. And then they tape all this other stuff up. They paint it. They wax it, shine it up again. And you'll never know that something happened to it. And I think, to me, I, it taught me process. Right. As a young boy, I'm out there with him. Don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning process. And I just compare that to life. Like everything's a process. Like none of us woke up and we are where we where we are without going through the process. Like, you know, hey, doctor, you had you had to start off in Fountain Inn. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to start off over here in Johnston. But it's like the process. Look at what it made. Mm-hmm. So with with all this, what do you well how do you feel about this may this may be a heavy question for you. Like how do you feel about just the recovery or the recovery time of the people that are going through this? Oh um Yeah, it's a little heavy. That heavy. <laughs> the, I- I believe the recovery time, I mean, it's going to be real. It's going to be work, especially when I speak to our African-American community. We've got to be willing to do the work. We've got to stop downplaying mental health. The number one question that I get from my Black clients when they first meet me is that if I believe in God, and I tell them all the time, I do. That's the number one question? Hold on, please, yeah, please yeah. elaborate, please. Because the mental health in the black community, and you know, in the black community, when we have issues, you take it to the altar, and I've been to the altar plenty of times. Oh, so you're gonna do a sorcery? That what they think? <laughs> <laughs> but I also too know that my gift came. You know, my gift came from God. Just like there are doctors in the medical field, like you don't. Of course, you pray for healing and you pray for a speedy recovery. But when somebody tells you you got to get your appendix removed or we got to, you know, sew your leg up, like you don't just go to the altar and be like, okay, guys, it's in your hands. No, you seek medical professionals oh, and you yeah. just pray for guidance that, you know, they know what they're doing. Same thing with like therapy. Mm. And I feel like. And we can go back and forth. But I feel like your mental health, like the health and wellness of your mind, is way more important. Once you get that healthy, everything else will then flow. I feel like you cannot walk into your purpose or um, go to the next level until your mind is healthy. Mm, I agree with that. I believe that, you know, poverty is a mindset. 
Woo. Like, yes, we are in poverty because of the system, but I also think too, like we've got to do our part. Man, come up, boy. Listen, it's this this is gonna air on Wednesday. But... Who are court ordered to see me? I'm like, okay, I know you don't want to do this, but I said, but the way you beat the system is you heal your mind. There you go. Get sharp. Like that's that's how you I don't wanna like stick your middle finger up at the system. Like you come <laughs> in here, you get this therapy, and you come out renewed. Like you come out with a changed mind. Like heal all of that stuff that you did you've experienced in the past. Cause I believe, I mean, let me preface this. There are bad people in the world. There are people full of hate. But I also believe that there are a lot of people in the prison system who are not all bad. They are just products of their environment that they never got to work through Mm -hmm. their issues. And because of that, they made very bad decisions, which led them there. But if we were able to do the work, do process through the trauma and the breakdowns, they could be very successful people. No, I, I believe that. I, I've said this before. I've said that uh, I think people run out of time. Some sometimes on the road to to healing, or even the road to recovery, they can run out of time. Mm-hmm. And something happened during that that transition time, and it just sends their life spiraling in a whole nother direction. So, man, well, I, I guess the question. Well, I don't know. Before, before I go there, because you are you're spot on when you were talking about, you know, get, getting your mind right and kind of just saying like, hey, look at me. I'm fixing me so that I don't have to see you people or deal with you people again. Um, right. It's a book I recently read. It's called Can't Hurt Me by um, David Ooh. Goggins. You heard this book? Yeah, I haven't read it, though. Oh, my God. It's on, it's on my read list. When I tell you, look, look, look. When I started talking about that book, I had to like wipe my face, bro. I was like, man, it was so transparent and honest. Like to the point, I felt like if dude did just a GoFundMe page, people would just send him money. Like, man, I just need to hear that. I just needed to hear it. And and I and I tell people, like, yeah, you could get the book, that's great. But the audio book, because the audio book has like a, a interview slash podcast element to it after each chapter. Oh, yeah, it's, it's 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 great. So like after each chapter, you probably get about I'll say roughly about 10 minutes of him and the reader, because the person that reads is a different guy. I think, think they're buddies or something. But in the book, he keeps saying, like, he said, we're, we're all just broken by mm-hmm. whatever your parents, your mom, your dad, your environment, whatever. And then you're broken too by what you start to believe. Yep. And he was like, he had to learn how to callous his mind. When he said callous his mind, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What what are you saying, brother? And he talks about how he go from being pretty much what he deemed in his life as a loser to... Uh, overweight loser, like you know, this guy, he's small frame guy, but he said he was over 300 plus pounds, and he went from that to becoming a Navy SEAL, becoming an Army Ranger, an ultra runner, 
all this stuff. And he all talks about like, you got to callous your mind. You can overcome anything when you learn to build calluses in the mind. Like some things you just can't remove. It's like, he says it's like skin. You put a callus over it, keep it moving. You get it hard, keep it moving. So anyway. That is true though. So yeah, yeah. Oh, when you were saying that, it just, it just definitely made me think about that. But oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wow. I was cutting you off. I'm about to read that. No, I'm just saying I'm not that's that's deep though. Get get it on your audible so you get the little interview, the interview pieces. Or get both. I bought both because I was just like, I'm gonna meet this man at some point. And I'm I, look, I keep that book with me I in my that. backpack. Yeah, <laughs> I keep it with me in my backpack. Like, you know, so when I meet him, I'm like, hey, you got a minute? I got something. I need you to sign this book. Wow, yeah. Yeah. But, That's so true, though, because I feel like every person walking this earth has some level of brokenness in them. Hands down. Yeah. Oh, see, okay. With that, all right. I, I said I was gonna come back to it because I definitely want to talk about this. This ain't just for me. This for the for the listeners, but mainly <laughs> a little bit of me. Everybody got some brokenness in them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How do these people come together? In relationships, I, you know what? Yeah, oh. I mean, first, first, I think is uh, acknowledgement that like I'm broken. Like this hurts me. This is what I've been through. Of course, you don't divulge all of it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you would divulge all of this on the first day. It just depends on how it goes. Man, but I'm I a I'm a second date open book. No, I'm better. I'm a newspaper. You can just look at the part you want to read, point to it, and I give you the information. There you go. Well, you know, I tell everybody. So the first date that I had with my husband, I knew I was going to marry him. So first day, I just kind of like thought about like my upbringing, like because I needed him to know, like this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love it. Yeah, I mean, but to acknowledge that. You are broken, which takes a huge vulnerability because we operate in a society where we put on our mask every time we leave the house. Mm-hmm. And we always want to give our best selves to people. But our best selves are are the truth that we yeah. operate. <sighs> and, and we don't like that. No, nah, you oh man. Let me tell you it's something I say in, in dating. I'm like, I'm not gonna give you my best. I'm gonna give you my truth. Mm-hmm. Cause my best, I know how to do that. I can sing and dance, dress it up, get suited and booted, smile and laugh, you know. I, I don't mind, I don't mind showing off these pretty veneers, but um <laughs> it's like, but no, you want you want that truth. So Mm. And I, I'm feeling old because I'm like, man, I'm out here for real, for real. Like, if anybody listens, like, I, I, I date with the intention. I'll tell, I'll tell a woman, like, look, I ain't finna do this for no three years, okay? I don't want to introduce you as my girlfriend, and I'm almost, I'm 37, I'm almost 40 years old with a girlfriend. If I got a girlfriend and my, and my 12 year old cousin got a girlfriend, we, I'm doing something wrong. But um, so. I don't know. I want you to unpack this. How you knew he was your husband, though? What was that? Or is, this, a, is this secret? Now I don't want you know. No, no, no. It's not a secret. It's not a secret. Um. So we first of all, we went to undergrad together, right? 
Okay. He's older than I was. We didn't talk or anything. Like he had his own girlfriend type thing. It was just kind of like a hey and bye situation. Mm-hmm. So one of our mutual friends was like, hey, like he, and this is when I was living in DC. He's like, hey, like he's in DC. He want to take you out. And I was like, okay, you know, kind of like. I ain't had nothing else to do. So, like, let me oh, let's at least have a nice dinner. <laughs> get some free food. Look at you. I see it. <laughs> so, we went to dinner, and he was like, hold on. Like, I got to take a, a a phone call. And I was like, now, look at this little nigga. He done brought me out here trying to talk to somebody else. But he was actually on the phone with his mother. Mm-hmm. And he was paying his tithes to church. And I was like, oh, my goodness. God. Like, you see, you don't work this out. See, look at you. So that was just kind of like... A good, wholesome like, man. Right. And I was just like, this is the one. Like, after he got off the phone, I was like, this is the one. Really? And we literally talked for, like, hours that night. Oh, my like, goodness. Like, we talked about um, goals in life, like, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to be, because I was getting ready to start grad school in the next few weeks. Yeah. Oh, and that's amazing. Just like, yeah, like do your thing. Like I got you. Like do your thing. So even when it came to like me in grad school, because I would go to school every other weekend. Mm-hmm. So like my weekends that I had school, it was kind of like, okay, like I'll check in, but I understand you got school. Like I'm not trying to be in your space, and I like that. So. Man, all right. Look, I, I ain't gonna ask you with the question. I don't want I don't wanna put y'all business out there. <laughs> so okay. From from your standpoint as a professional outside of the folks that, you know, take the time, heal yourself. Um I don't know. I feel like I don't know what question to ask. I, I'm thinking about my own self and I'm sitting there like Lord. Well, and I can say <laughs> to be very transparent. Um, so like a year into dating, a girl, a girl that I went to, well, we went to different high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, she had got killed in a car accident. Oh. And yeah, and it was hard. And I just remember looking at him and I was like, I think I need to go to like therapy. And he was like, Okay, bet. Like, and he didn't even say like what for, like what's going on? Like, yeah. you want to talk about it? He was just like, Okay, bet. <laughs> and I was just like, Okay. See that. Man, shouts shouts out to Mr. Mr. Jackson, man. This this is that's a that's a wholesome man right here. You you got a whole husband. Congrats! I love black love. Now I celebrate it. Me well, thank you. I'm all for black love too. Oh, but in regards to to like just knowing when your partner is like, you know what? I think I need to go talk to somebody. Like, outside of us. Like, I think I need to talk to somebody. And it was just like, okay, like, that's fine. Yeah, no, I think I think that's huge, one, because it, it shows I think it's real vulnerable. You have to be real vulnerable to say that, especially to your you know, the person you're dating, because all kind of judgment could come back from that. And, True. And then as, <laughs> you know, talk, talking to the black men out there, like, hey, Hush, just listen to what the woman got to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't have to you don't have to critique it all. Cause I know, I know for me, like, hey, I, I would have been like, what's going on? You wanna talk about it? like you know what I'm saying? I would have been that guy. And then yeah. you'd be like, nah, that ain't what she need. Let me shut up. Be like, yeah, you should okay, go for it. Have it. Well, I well, I feel like, man, this has been a lot, man. I'm so glad we did this. 
Like, Thank you for having me. It's always an honor when the mayor calls you. <laughs> like, Can you get on my podcast? Man, because I was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking of like where we are in the world, where we are as a country, as a people, as I mean, in our state, you know, like we seeing it. And I'm like, I want to talk to somebody that got like a real perspective and that's talking to people and having real conversations. Like you're not having the quote unquote barbershop talk. You know what I'm saying? You having like, you know, there might be some people crying. You see people crying. I don't get to see that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Well, well, one, well, I guess two things. No, we'll just we'll just go with the one. So, <laughs> what would you recommend for the people listening that are trying to, you know, that are in that space where they were like, "Hey, I need to talk to somebody." I know we, I know you, you're good at what you do, but you might not want to take all these clients in. It might be a lot of people. Where where can they go? Where can they get like find someone in their area or what's a tool? What's a resource? Therapy for Black Girls is dope. And this is where you can find a lot of um, Black clinicians. Like you can plug in your zip code and it will list um, different clinicians in your area, clinicians of color. Psychology Today is also very good. And mm-hmm. they are they have a wide range of um, clinicians as well. And I always say I'm a believer in, although you've got to do your own individual work, I don't think you should do it alone. Um, So I'm all about like your support system. So even if you're like, hey, I need to get like some help, like somebody, let somebody in your support system know who like you trust, like let them know like what's going on. So if it is something that you off or, you know, you say something out the way, like they know to like check in on you to make sure you okay. Yeah. It's a process and there will be some good days and some bad days. And on the very first session with all of my clients, I'm like, some days you are going to like me and then other days you will not. Because mm. that's real. But my goal is to make you better. So I'm okay if, you know, you don't like me because <laughs> I'm digging and I'm pulling and I'm making, you know, bringing issues to the forefront so you can heal from them. So make sure your support or somebody in your support system knows. Wow. So, all right. Uh, you know, I'm like, man, that's so biased. It's therapy for black girls. What about therapy for black men or black boys? What, what is it? I mean, they, so there's a... um. It's the Instagram page, Black Mental Health. Okay. Follow that. They have like good little tidbits. I think everybody should um, follow that as well because they implement like daily practices that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also too have generated uh, resources as well. All right. That's perfect. So and make sure you feed your mind something good, whether it's an audible book, reading, sitting in a quiet space, going outside on the front porch and just walking the people walk by. Make sure that you are feeding your mind something good, something sane, because it's hard out here. We know this. Mm. Man, this, this right here was good, man. I some good food on on uh well I can't say what well this is Sunday y'all we gonna air it on Wednesday y'all know now but you know what I'm saying this is good food on a Sunday I just had my smoothie I feel great look at you oh I'm trying look I'm I'm coming back quarantine slim but um that's it I might grow my hair but I might be a slimmer man so 
in in all the podcasts, this is what I do at the in the closing. Um, you know, the title is Cultured and Country. So by doing the show, you are definitely a Cultured and Country alumni. But Yay. I I like to call y'all cousins. You are Cultured and Country cousin now. So yeah. that means you are invited to my mama, my mama's famous cookout, summer cookout. We ain't gonna call it just a barbecue. It's just a we cook everything. Fish, haul, barbecue, whatever. Whatever you got, we'll cook it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So you're invited. So I always like ask people, as a cousin now, you can phone now. What dish would you bring? But also, what dish would you like to leave with from the world famous Ooh. Jackie Cub Rep Cookout? Ooh. What dish I would like to bring? Yeah. Definitely hot fried fish. Hot, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mmm. Mmm. And I'm going to bring the hot sauce. Oh. Okay. You come prepared. Got a little mustard, a little white bread. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Oh, that's so good right now. And what dish I would like to leave with? Yeah. We cook good around here now. I'm going to say some potato salad. Potato salad love... with no raisins. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we don't do no raisins. With no potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. Uh, potato salad no, with no raisins. Good. Good black mama potato salad, country mama potato salad. I, I no got way. you. My, my aunt Anne could hook it up with the best of them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ooh, I love me some good potato salad. Well, man, I I truly appreciate you taking this time to, to do this. Um, I, I think this has been a great conversation. And like I said, you 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 fam now. So it's a time or a point where something happens in the world or just whatever. You be like, hey, Terrence, we you need to do a podcast on this. I'd be like, bet, let's do it. Or if you a friend or I don't know. I, I feel like I want to do a relationship podcast. So definitely you're going to have you and your husband on. I want to know more. But <laughs> 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 Hey, man, look, on my search to find a wife, I love to listen to good stories of how people fell in love and found love. I'm like, yeah, I ain't one of these dudes that's out here acting too tough to admit it. Mm-mm. I'm down. I'll be vulnerable, kick my shoes off. Let's talk. Let's get it out there in the open. But, um, but yeah, yeah I, I truly appreciate and, and love that you took the time to, to make this happen. Thank you. Um, anything you got to say to the people in closing, the floor is yours. I just want to say, well, of course, thank you. Um, and for real, for real, y'all, take care of yourselves. You matter. Your, your mental health matters. So please do yourself a favor and take care of yourselves. 